0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I am Sean Anderson. Alongside me is Ricky Woodman. Hey, guys, and Dave Oster. He got to go first this time.
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, it usually That's goes how first. it usually goes, Dave.
0: I don't know if he'll see me next week. <laughs> <Is that what laughs> we, gonna, we not
1: feeling the love. We established right. Ricky, and then we see if Dave showed up for the week. Dave did show up, yeah, right? Yeah. So I
0: mean, the, the cow streak has started at two now. We'll see how we're we'll back if up you and running. The, the longest was five.
1: I can't remember. I, think it was five I or feel six. like five
0: or six, yeah. <laughs> we'll see if we can get there. Obviously, we don't know if you're going to get to the 2000, the kale hit, but we'll, we'll get there. Today, we're going to be talking Luke Walton. We're going to be talking about the Golden State Warriors and if the Trailblazers can upset the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry out. And we'll also talk to Marcus Cousins. And we're going to jump into that Golden State topic first because Ricky's giving me the look of disgust for mentioning Luke Walton first.
1: Oh, no, no, I have nothing against Lukey.
0: Oh, sure you don't. You don't believe in Luke Walton? No,
1: I, I believe in him. I believe.
0: Talking about leave. talking about Luke Walton's former team here, the Golden State Warriors going to play, take on the Portland Trailblazers. The first game is starting on May first. We are recording this on April thirtieth, so if we say anything wrong, then that's that's we're just going to precurse that because we started talking about the Heat, you know, being the Eastern Conference Finals team, and now crown their ass. Yeah, now we crown their ass, and now they're going to a Game Seven. Anyways, we're going to jump in. Steph Curry supposedly going to be out for two weeks. Then that was about you know a couple mm-hmm. days ago. Uh, his returned estimate estimated time will be May 9th, and if you look at the playoff schedule, that will put him out until Game four. So there will be three games without Steph Curry. Can Portland take three games without Steph Curry being in the lineup for the Warriors? Do you think the front court of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum? Do you guys think that the Portland Trailblazers can take three games without Steph Curry being in the lineup for the Warriors?
1: Not all three. They're not going to take all three. Let's be honest. The Warriors are the with Steph Curry healthy. They're the best team in the NBA but I look but at
0: Steph the, isn't playing that's the whole I know, point
1: but I look at these three first three games and I think we could have at the very least a 2-1 series coming into Steph coming back in favor that being of... of the Warriors however there's a chance if Portland to me I think Portland without like not playing Steph they'll win that game 3 at home because look at how they played at home against the Clippers even when the Clippers did have Blake Griffin and CP3. So you think on the it's court.
2: too much to take one game at the
1: Oracle? Well, the thing with this young team is, I mean, with with CP3 and Blake Griffin before they got injured, Portland couldn't beat the Clippers in LA. Then you remove you remove those two. Yeah, it was only a three. It was only a three. It was a phenomenal game, game. But the Blazers finally got it done yeah. on the road. And because this team Man. is so young, that's going to be the challenge for them. Is can they win? At the Oracle, which is already impossible to win at,
0: Portland did lose their two games at, against Portland or against Golden State at the Oracle, but they did take one game where D- Damian Lillard went off for fifty-one. Do you think he'll need to go off for fifty-one for them to win, or do you think you know it's just a balance attack, or do they need to really pounce on when you know with Steph being out?
2: I think Lillard definitely has the potential to go off because Steph's not there. It's even better because there's no way they can balance cover both. Dame and CJ at the same time. I mean one of them is gonna get Sean Livingston, who has played up. A, a ton like this year is his year Like Dallas was last year, so they have their chance They have to press it hard right off the bat go at him I think Damien comes out super aggressive and I think they can take a game at the Oracle I think that's totally possible because it's not just these two It's weird to think but we look at the stats before and like miles Plumley, seriously He's coming up huge for this team. He's he, le- he's, he's leading.
1: my like. That's the thing I'm circling is Draymond versus Plumlee. That could be I, our matchup. If I'm Steve Kerr, I'm looking at and going Draymond. Some may call you a dirty player. And one of them sitting next yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Because he is a dirty player. But you have to use all of your physicality on Mason Plumlee when he gets the basketball. Make sure he can't find anyone to pass. to. Are you going to gonna
0: put Plumlee though? Are you going to put Draymond on? Plumlee, who's 6'11", and has the, the obvious Bogut, height advantage.
2: Or Bogut, either or. I'm I mean, saying, Draymond's a better defender. That's the thing.
0: And just looking at Plumlee's stats, he's leading the Trailblazers in four of the five stats. He's leading them in rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. So obviously, he's been important to the Trailblazers yeah. here. I feel you- like
2: it's just pure shooting versus shooting on the guard point. And look, if there's anyone who can keep up with Clay Thompson and you know a healthy Steph Curry, it's CJ and Damien Lillard. They both just love to jack up shots. Mm-hmm. And they both can step their own shots, which is the hardest thing to do in the NBA as a guard, is being able to make your own shot. But the fact that both these teams can toss it into the paint and reliably get assists out of their bigs, I think this is a fantastic matchup. And with uh, Steph not there, I honestly believe there's a chance to rob a game.
1: Well, and the thing, another player I'm looking at is, to me, he didn't have to be as good as he was in Game 4 against the Clippers, but you have... Al Farouk Aminu, who, to me, in Game 4, he had the 6 of 10 from beyond the arc, the 30 points, but then others, like, okay, 10 in the last game, 7, 9, okay, single digits. He's a solid digits. contributor
2: who can he, go off.
1: He needs to be the guy, though, that when Lillard and CJ aren't hitting their shots, he needs to be the guy from beyond the arc to supply that extra push. And also, a thing with the Trailblazers is what is their second unit When the starters aren't on the floor, what are they going to do? Because we saw against the Clippers... Okay, they're starting to falter, they're starting to falter. Fuck it, let's get the starters back out there so we can win this game.
0: And maybe Alan Crabbe needs to step up because I mean you do mention that second unit, and he's a part of that second unit, and he mm-hmm. hasn't really played that well. He's only averaging seven points a game and he did average around ten in the regular season. So maybe you want to see him stepping up. He did shoot like around forty percent from three. Mm-hmm. So obviously that mm-hmm. can be a great contribution there. Gerald Henderson's a vet, so maybe he can step up. Uh Chris Kamen also a vet there. Maybe he can he can really you can rely on him. Uh and you know, I, I agree with you that what what can that second unit do but i'm i'm looking at this this first round matchup and at least the first three games i mean we like you said Lillard has the potential to go off and Lillard has shown before that he's a fierce competitor and i think that he will see an opportunity i think that he will attack and i think i'm i'm, I'm going to agree with you guys there that they'll i think they'll take two games i think at least clay will win one one of those battles like clay Andre and, and Draymond will take one of those battles. But I look at that, and I see Mason Plumlee, who's been fantastic. I look at McCullum, who's, gonna, who's obviously been fat, fantastic and the most improved player in the NBA. And then obviously Damon, Damian Lillard, who is clearly the best player and one of the best point guards in the league.
1: Well, the way I see it thrown down is, and I know that if you're listening on YouTube, you're hearing this the day that game one starts. But I think the Warriors will win game one. The Trailblazers will win game three without Steph. It's that game two that's kind of like the toy, the coin toss game, where who's going to win it? And if the Warriors can win it, cool, we get Steph back up to one. But if the Trailblazers can steal that game two in the Oracle, then it kind of puts some more some pressure on the Warriors with Curry coming back. For Do game they make four. that
2: decision? You know, to bring him back mm-hmm. early? Do they feel that pressure? No, if someone I, can take a game off you at home you going to bring him out of game early?
1: No, I think it stays with the ninth.
0: So you think he's going to stay around the ninth? Even even if it's
1: a 1 1 series going into Portland, I think Steve Kerr is confident. He came back not 100%
0: last time Mm -hmm. because they were worried about the series.
1: But look what happened. I think they'll look at that and be like, no, we can't risk it.
0: Okay, so if they lose the first game, do you think they risk it and play him? No. Okay, so you're thinking May 9th, no matter what, no matter the series? Even if they go down 2 A miracle happens. If they're down 0 2,
1: he's playing game 3.
0: Okay. So, if they go down 0 2 and you get Steph, who's not 100%, and he injures himself again, is that Portland just winning this? I mean, do you yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, the, like, I
1: if, mean. If I'm the Warriors and if I'm going 0 2 into Portland, I'm hitting the panic button because this Portland team, they kind of play eh, on the road and then fucking turn it on for their home fans. Like Rick Rip City. Rip City all day, every that was day their, down
2: there. Yeah, that was nice. I, I think the biggest thing is like Damien Lillard plays that underdog, like, whole persona really well because. He's always been a top point guard, Mm -hmm. but they don't give him the credit. He's always like, oh, well, you've got Kyrie, you've got Steph, and then there's that notch down, and it's always like Damian Lillard. He's got the same shoe contract. He's getting paid a ton of money. He's a fantastic player, but I think that's the same story for this team. They're always like, oh, yeah, there's the top tier teams, and then there's Portland. And, I mean, performance, they haven't lived up to it consistently enough. That's why they're a lower seed in this tournament or this playoff series. But – the thing is, like, they can definitely play up at home. Like you said, they just absolutely, the whole city envelops
0: that stadium. I mean, It even, goes crazy.
1: Even look at the State Farm commercial. Who is he? He's the baby.
0: And I, I don't care about that. But obviously, you know, <laughs> they're, they're getting rid off uh, mostly because the Marcus Aldridge also left, too. I mean, you, you know, that was looked at as their star. Now D-Lil has to, has to, to step that up. If they go up, you know, let's say let's say they take two games from the the first three games, and Steph comes back May ninth. Do you think they have a legitimate shot with Steph even coming back hundred percent? And let's say Steph doesn't get hurt. Do you think the Trailblazers have the opportunity to pull you know that series off and win that series even with Steph being back hundred percent?
1: Yes, if only if it's two one when Steph comes back.
2: See, and I disagree because of what you mentioned earlier with with the uh, questions for the bench. And the starter's going to play longer minutes. If this series goes longer, there's the, the trailblazers, there's chance of winning just drops right off the map. I well, think they're going to be done. And,
1: and it all depends on, as of right now, like my perception as uh-huh. of right now from what I've seen is I'm going off of the fact that I've seen Steph come back once and he was not 100%. So in my mind, I'm kind of leaning a little towards, oh, he's not going to be the exact same carbon copy Steph. So right now, I'm leaning more towards... Yeah, sure, the Trailblazers have a chance. However, there's even that other chance of... If Steph Curry comes in game four, turns it on, he's Steph Curry, then of course Blazers have no chance.
0: I think I'm in agreement with with Dave here mainly because, you know, they'll be tired. The, the, the Blazers will be tired. They'll be gassed. And you're getting Steph Curry who's not only 100%, you know, uh, healthy, but he's also rested. I mean, that's Steph who's been playing 82 games this season, or around 82 games this season, been giving a disheartened soul in the regular season, you know, coming back from an injury. This is going to be a motivated Steph. And you're talking about underdogs here. I mean, I know Steph is the MVP and all this stuff, but, you know, he's not looked Is you know, one of the greats because of his size and because Mm -hmm. of his thing, you know, because of his, uh, you know, lack of, you know, uh, flashiness, you know, driving to the basket or, you know, throwing down dunks or something like that, you know, obviously he's known for the uh, three-point sharpshooter and also you look at his Davidson career, you know, he's known as being an underdog, being a Cinderella, so I mean, you know, Lillard has that edge of being, you know, he's not recognized, but I mean Steph also has been in that position before. He's trying he, to prove a point. Yeah, and he he's trying to prove a point and he's trying to finish off this great season. So, I think I think if the War, I think the Blazers have a chance if they go up 3-0. That's the only cha- chance I see them. Which is a fucking miracle. The mm. way
1: the way I see it, it's going to be two like if it's 2-1 for the Trail Blazers heading into when Curry comes back game 4, that's a must win for the Warriors. If the Warriors lose that first game with Curry back and they fall down 3-1, I don't care how good you are as the Warriors, you can win Game 5, but then you got to come back to Portland in Game 6. And that's, as a Warriors fan, I would not want to see down 3-2 coming back to Portland where the Trailblazers kind of turn it on because that young team, they're more experienced playing at home than on the road.
0: Now I do want to flip this over to the Warriors now. We've seen so many comparisons to the 96-97 Bulls here. Would you say you know the Warriors without Steph is kind of compared compared to the '94 '95 Bulls, where Jordan went away, and you know, we're, we're without Steph being with Steph being injured, do you think that's kind of like the, the the Jordan being away, where Pippen has to be the man, is Clay having to be the man? You know, they're obviously still a good team, but not a mm-hmm. team that can really win a championship. Do you, well, think, do you kind of look at them that way? If if Steph is like rushed back and his injury just gets worse and worse, or his injury is worse worse than we actually think right now.
1: Well, the fit the exact kind of replica. You, you know me, Sean. I love playing back on what happened in history and in past NBA seasons. If they're going to be the 93 94 Bulls, they're losing in seven to the Trailblazers. The reason why I don't think that's going to happen is they lost to the Knicks, and that would be the Bulls lost to the Knicks. This Trailblazer team does not fit the Ewing Knicks. If it was going to be like that, they'd be playing like the Thunder and Durant would beat them to move on, or the Spurs would beat them to move on. So, so
2: you're you're shortchanging Dame right now. Well, I mean, that's the whole point. He's the
0: underdog. Yeah, no, Ricky's not even giving respect. No no, him. no, 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 respect. no, Randy no. No,
1: <laughs> I mean, I I think Portland can jump on the Warriors. I think it's going to be a great series, just because I think the Trailblazers are going to capitalize on the injury but I don't think it's going to be the exact carbon copy that I'm used to making the comparisons for. But without Steph Curry, I've said it before, I've tweeted it before, you're not winning the finals without Curry.
2: No, I, I'm completely with you. I think this team is based around Steph Curry doing Steph Curry things, which only Steph Curry's capable of doing. Clay Thompson's a fantastic shooter in his own right. But next to Steph Curry, he's just good. And that's the huge mm-hmm. drop-off. And to consider this team being able to overcome the giant teams like the Spurs with their ridiculous depth, their age, their experience, the thunder with the fact how athletic they are, they can absolutely kill you with Durant and Westbrook.
1: But remember, Westbrook's not a superstar. shut your fucking mouth. Only, I mean, Mark Cuban came out and said it, so it's true, guys. Westbrook's not a superstar. Yeah. Yeah, we're all (laughs) believing that.
2: But at the end of the day, no, that's that's the concern. If you don't have a healthy staff, this team is not a championship Mm -hmm. team and would end up as one of the biggest disappointments after a, an amazing regular season run.
0: Now, do you think if the Warriors get past Portland here, do you think the Spurs have an up up advantage because they know Steph is has an injury that's lingering? Do you think that gives the Spurs more of an advantage, or do you think you know, if Steph comes back and he looks like the same Steph, then it doesn't matter. It's a clean slate.
1: Either way, Steph or no Steph, Spurs-Warriors is going to seven.
0: Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not and, I, and
1: I don't even know. Like I can't even pick a winner because I think the Spurs can even beat the Warriors in seven with Steph on the court.
0: Yeah, I
2: mean we've seen what uh, Kawhi can do on defense. It's absolutely smothering. It's disgusting, and the <laughs> low percentage of shooting that they brought to San Antonio was just hilarious. Watching that game was like it was like kicking a sad puppy. It's like come mm-hmm. on, he's our like they're not going to make the shots. They're not going to make the shots. They're not going to make their shots. So if they can keep up that amazing defensive presence, uh, I mean it's hard to say that Steph Curry,
0: you know, can overcome that. But one way or the other, it's going to be a phenomenal series to watch. All right, now we keep talking that the Spurs are going to are basically a lock for the Western Conference Finals. I mean, are you guys writing off the Thunder? I mean, he's not a superstar. Do you think Russell Westbrook and KD can do it? I mean, it's just them. Basically, I'm not
1: writing off the Thunder, but the main thing, and I say this as a um I saw it on around the horn I can't remember who was talking about it but the big thing with the Thunder and I think this is going to be the only thing to keep them out of the series is can they play defensively sound on the defensive side where Westbrook's a guy who I'm targeting cuz he's known for doing this hmm. there was a instance they showed earlier this year when the Spurs and Thunder played each other. And, okay, it's a close game. Danny Green wasn't hitting his shots. Well, Westbrook came up, tried to be aggressive for a steal, didn't get it. They kicked it to Green. Green hit a three. They went up by five. Then an offensive rebound on the other end. They came down. Boom, they went up by eight. So you were down by three. Now you're down by eight points. It's things like that where if the Thunder can just play sound and not make stupid moves, then, yeah, they may have a chance so the Spurs, the Spurs game plan is
2: to frustrate Russell Westbrook.
1: Yeah, maybe. But I just think that this Spurs team, it may go to six, but this Spurs team will get past the Thunder, but the Thunder just don't they can't play stupid out there.
0: Is it just they, they don't have enough depth depth? I mean it I mean,
1: could be I one. I think thing. the Spurs
2: actually I'm I'm sorry, I think the Thunder actually have decent depth, to be honest with you. Uh if you look at their bench, they have solid contributors. They haven't they don't have that star contributor off the bench. But look, they they've built a team of solid guys who are able to keep up with anyway like mm-hmm. do you remember the end of the regular season when they were playing pure bench mob and they were keeping up and winning game like i think it's absolutely reasonable to say that as far as depth is concerned if the spurs are one then they're two as far as bench depth on the uh, west coast but the thing that really interests me is the canter matchup because this guy is the offensive weapon and the defensive liability and, yeah, people are like, oh, his defense isn't that bad. And I'm with you on that. But it's how much can that be taken advantage of by the Spurs bigs? And, look, if they're going to abuse you somewhere, it's down there.
0: That's what I want to say, though, because, I mean, if you have Cantor in, I mean, if he's going up against Tim Duncan, do you think T- Duncan can really expose him? Because, I mean, Duncan's still fantastic on defense, but can- do you think he can really provide an offensive spark there? Because, you know, I mean, we've seen Duncan a little slow down now. I mean, maybe that rush will help him. But if-, if it's Duncan Cantor, do you think he'll be that much of a liability there?
2: I think Duncan is still viable as an offensive option. I'm not sure how they're going to use it, though, because we've seen him not. He's played less minutes or limited minutes, but I I think you're right. It's, well, he doesn't. Does he have that step still? No, because he's still the big fundamental. Doesn't matter. He's going to go in the paint. He's got to do his post moves, and he's going to get points. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, He was never flashy. He doesn't have that speed. He's got the size, and that's what—that's all that matters. He's got the size, and he's got the experience, and he's got the move. Like, I, At that point, I, it's a
0: write-up.
1: And I mean, the one thing with Duncan is so far in this first series, yeah, he's played 20 minutes, which is eight less than LaMarcus Aldridge and more than Kawhi Leonard than that, but... He's only averaging 5.5 points a game. Yeah. So he doesn't have to go out there and score double digits. To me, I think it's more of the the plethora. You've got Kawhi. You've got LaMarcus. You've got uh, Timmy D. You've even got David West that you can just throw at Cantor. And I heard it when I was watching sports TV, and it was the best thing about this series is the Spurs are going to find the Thunder weakness and just fucking attack it. Until you find a way to stop it, and if that's what they harp on, I don't know if the Thunder can get around that, and it's all going to be about what change Billy Donovan makes for when the Spurs find that weakness. Yeah,
2: and at the same time, I mean, okay, so if we're going to go all mismatches on Cantor on his defense, how are they going to stop his offense? Mm-hmm. I mean, can can they shut him down? Are they going to? You'd think why you'd have him playing up front. On Durant, So you've got him taken care of. So then your defender, you're going to put uh, LaMarcus Aldridge on him or Tim Duncan on him. I don't know. That It leaves some questions. I, I think that will be close, but I think you're right. It's going to be abuse the matchup until they find a better answer.
1: Yeah, I think you Make put, him stop you. I think you put LaMarcus on him. That would be my first. Like, okay, let's try that. See if
0: that works. So the Thunder are, uh, have a chance at beating the Spurs, but we really don't think it's going to be pulled off. And the Portland Trailblazers might be take away two games when Steph is out, but we're not entirely sure. We're going to have to see up, what happens.
1: Could end up being two good series.
0: And uh, talking about the Warriors there, we're going to transition now. Assistant coach of the Golden State Warriors has been hired as the Los Angeles Lakers head coach, Luke Walton, taking over the head coaching duties for Byron Scott, who was fired. The deep, tank commander. The tank commander. I mean, he's got small shoes to fill, but a large <laughs> tank to no. swim in.
2: He has done a fantastic job. Byron Scott was brought in for one reason that was to get that pick guaranteed top three, and he's done everything he could to do that. Mission accomplished, boys. <laughs> he's done. He's going to get a fat paycheck for it. Everybody's happy. So now Luke Walton comes in with this young roster and possibly a top three pick in this draft. If it's not, you know, it's not a pick. So he's hoping. But. I think he's got a great setup to build off of.
0: And if we are looking at former Laker players who went on to coach the Lakers, you look at Byron Scott with a win-win-win loss of thirty-eight to one twenty-six. Kurt Rambis who was twenty-four and thirteen. Oh, Jesus Christ! Magic Johnson who was five and eleven. Pat Riley who was fifty-three, five hundred thirty-three and one ninety-four. Pretty good there. I say, uh, uh, yeah. Jerry West, who was 144 and 101, Jim Pollard, who was 14 and 25, and George Mikan, who was 9 and 30. So I, I have honestly, no idea. So many ex Lakers had come back to coach eight L- ex Lakers. I mean, he's either going to be Pat Riley or he's going to be Byron Scott. I mean, that's that's what I'm looking and at here. And if trends are anything, he's I definitely in Pat Riley.
1: I don't <laughs> I don't think he's going to be anywhere near Byron Scott. No, I like my first thought of when I saw it come across the ticker on the top of my phone was like, "Holy shit, what just happened?" Because I'm watching the draft. I'm in the NFL draft, and I'm, like, not even focusing on basketball because I'm looking at the draft. I just see it, and I go, what the fuck is this? Yes, big news. Walton going to the Lakers, and this is what the Lakers need. They need a young coach to come in because the thing is, and everyone can say what they want about it. Oh, he's going to come in and try to replicate that style that Steve Kerr did with the Warriors, maybe but I'm leaning more towards what Dave said earlier in the podcast where Luke Walton is going to be a guy that treats his players much like Kerr treats his and talks to them as an equal. And when you got a guy like Swaggy P and a guy like D'Angelo Russell, those guys seem like guys that don't take too well to, hey, do what you're told, young kid.
0: Now, with Kerr, though, he walked into a situation where Steph and Clay were already in place. Draymond yes. was already it was a there. Little easier. He, he walked in it was with a the little roster. Easier. There. No
1: one's saying it's going to be a cakewalk. But at the same time,
2: line. I mean, they were a good team, but they weren't a great team yet. Yeah, he, he, no, he and definitely elevated years. And yeah, some them. are yeah. even
1: saying, I mean, I know you've gotten torched in the comment section for this, that we should give Mark Jackson credit Fuck for what no. the Warriors have become.
2: As soon as you remove Mark Jackson, Draymond Green turned into a top five player, I mean, in his position. No, I'm just I,
1: saying, that's what some of the, the, the difference is other, like, Mark Jackson, Jackson
2: did good. Then. Don't get me wrong, he, he did a fine job, and he set that team up for success. That's it. You just give him credit, and Steve Kerr took that team to the next level.
0: Obviously, not tank commander level. He, but he did set up the next regime. He did, he did yeah. bring in he did bring in that roster, but he couldn't get them further. I mean, obviously, Byron's got got that got that roster together, just making them a shitty team. But you know, he he did he did set up Luke Walton, and he does have pieces there with Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle. Now there's talks that Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell might be traded for Boogie, but we'll get to that. And they also have it, possibly a top three pick if it does stay in the top three and it doesn't go you know further 76ers than that. Sixers collection. Take it. Oh, it's going. No, it's center. going
1: number one. The Lakers are getting the number one pick. NBA yeah, conspiracy uh, theory. What? Oh, goodbye, Kobe. Here's Ben Simmons. Oh, That's what God. the Lakers are getting.
0: Anyways, back you, on track. Do you think Luke Walton will be successful in his Los Angeles Laker term? I mean, just broad, Define broad success. Winning I mean, a championship. Well that actually
1: maybe may, maybe but here's the here's an interesting point that I wanted to bring up here, on this here. podcast. I'll it. No no no. I'll it.
2: Uh, let's stick with it. I just I just wanted to bring successful. up
1: this to kind of go off of that is I was watching PTI and they were talking to Doug Collins who yeah. used to be the coach of the 76ers, Northwestern and the thing that he said about Luke Walton this was way before this was like earlier in the day before Luke Walton had said okay I'm going to be the Lakers head coach. Yeah. What really stuck with me is he said Luke hasn't had to go through that kind of adversity. He hasn't hit that wall, that tough spot of being a head coach, and it's going to come. And it all depends on what happens when you get to that spot. Because every head coach has to go through it. There's just that one spot where it's like, you hit it, and it's like, okay, how am I going to get through this? Luke Walton's never had to do that because— He was head coaching this year with basically got handed the best team in the NBA with the MVP on his team. I mean,
2: he did lose.
0: Not basically, he did, yeah.
2: He he did lose a game, which is pretty much he ruined the streak. That's adversity (laughs) for the Warriors.
1: Like, he ruined the streak. But he's going to have to. That's go a lot through. of adversity. He's going to have to go through even more adversity on a team that he doesn't he's have, have do the Steph opposite yeah. where they
2: go on a losing streak and,
1: and then, he's then gotta, he gets Got to pull yeah. them through for
2: a win.
0: Yeah, and obviously the weather of the storm with the whole D'Angelo Russell stuff and regaining the trust there. But I mean, yeah. he, he will have a new player coming in if it, if the if the pick does stay in the top three, he might get a Ben Simmons or a Brandon Ingram or a Dragon Bender, could, depending on you where, just where say they go. Ben Dragon Simmons they're getting Bingo. the number one pick. All right, there stop. Ricky, you can leave your tinfoil hat at home. I get it. You're a conspiracy theorist. You think it's rigged. We got it. But you know, he's gonna. He might get a top three pick here. He might get some. He's obviously got youth and DeAngelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, and Julius Randle. He will have the adversity to to weather the storm there. But I think that he can really be successful due to his experience. Under Phil Jackson, you know, playing under Phil Jackson, being around a superstar in Kobe Bryant, being able to handle, you know, personalities like that, you know, being with Shaq for a little bit, I believe. And then also, you know, he was under with Sir Steve Kerr, actually getting, you know, the ability to coach, being the ability to coach, you know, modern day NBA players like Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. I think he he's he will have the ability to weather the storm, and also he's in L.A., where a place where people want to go for free agency. He's going to have the cap room, and they're going to you know the GM is going to have the ability to make moves in that will fit this team better. So I think he's in a great place to succeed. And you know we talked about this earlier when uh you know we were talking about Phil Jackson that you know it was, he was either going to the Knicks or the Lakers. So I wasn't too shocked that he went to the Lakers, mm-hmm. but you know I think that it's a perfect fit because he knows the the city, he knows you know the the GM, he knows the buses. And I think it's going to be a fantastic fit. And I think he he can succeed. And especially with this youthful roster, I think he can win an NBA championship.
1: Well, and before I say the point, I was going to say you forgot the most important mentor to Luke Walton. And that's the great Bill Walton. Bill Walton obviously being his father, being a mentor on his life. But I think with the Bus family and the Lakers, I don't know if I think it was kind of a tie at the top where it was like, okay, we either want Luke Walton or Coach Thibodeau. And then the Timberwolves got Coach Thibodeau. So they went, okay, that makes our choice easy. Let's go for Luke kind of a thing.
0: They also might just want him because he's youthful. And they, he, he has you know experience with a top team. And he, he's, no, he yeah. has experience with the well, city. I think my, I think he, that might have been their number and, one guy, too. And the other thing is, you know, you've already got the Kobe
2: Bryant stamp of approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, they interviewed him back in November about it. And Kobe was quoted saying, you know, I used to tease him all the time, saying he's the next Phil Jackson because he's an average player with a messed up back. Um <laughs> And, and he goes on to say, you know, but honestly, uh, he always had a brilliant mind, understanding the flow and tempo of the spacing and how to manage a team the right way. So, I, if anybody spent enough time on the bench with Phil Jackson, it was Luke Walton.
1: Mm-hmm. It,
2: it, I mean, I think it's either on he the bench that, or in the corner. He was pre mentored by Phil Jackson. He didn't work under him in the coaching system, but he definitely spent uh, a lot of time on the bench talking to Phil, and he definitely had the respect of people on the team. I mean, even up to Kobe Bryant saying, mm-hmm. hey, dude, you know your shit. Like, I respect that, and that's fantastic. So I think that definitely made uh, like an, it an easier decision for the bus family, and I think it's kind of like Kobe, Kobe's like final thing, like, yeah, this is the right way to go with the franchise guys.
1: My whole thing with Luke Walton is I'm not even looking at it from an X and O perspective. I'm looking at it just from a head coach of just what is his personality that he's going to bring into this team. And when I look at that, it's going to be – Just like you said, kind of a mix of Phil Jackson with a mix of what he learned under Steve Kerr as an actual coach in the league. Great hire for the Lakers. I would say if I'm putting a grade on it, A-plus, you hit a home run out of the park.
0: I do just want to mention one thing. Luke Walton unofficially won 39 games this year. That is more than Byron Scott won in his Laker career. Zero. Zero.
1: Burns. Zero is what he got credit for. That's
0: why I said unofficial. <laughs> That's why I said no, I know.
1: He did finish zero. eighth in
2: the, the voting for know. Coach of the Year, though. I
1: think Kerr, I, with that being said, though, I think Kerr should have done the, the man move and just been like, hey, you know what? Thanks for the award. I'm going to give it to Luke because he deserves it.
0: All right. What, what do you think about the Lakers <laughs> roster, though? Do you think that Luke Walton might change immediately? Is there a player or a player type that he does want to bring in? Because they obviously have youth in Russell and they have youth in Clarkson and they have youth in Randall. But do you think those pieces fit together? They have, even have Larry Nance who showed flashes. Do you think he wants to bring in a veteran? Do you think there's a specific player type that Luke Walton might like that he saw with the Warriors or prior in his Laker career that he might want to bring in either a free agent or a trade for?
2: I think Ricky kinda of touched on this earlier when he brought up what kind of system that mm-hmm. we expect Luke Walton to run. And the question is 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 he gonna run the Steve Kerr like shooting like crazy amazing or shooting offense, go to or to the triangle? Um and that's the question is like with his with the roster he has right now, they can't run a similar offense to what the Warriors are doing. They just don't have the shooting for it. They don't have the right personnel. I don't
1: think he's going to be married to the triangle, either.
2: And that's the thing. So I, I don't know if he's going to go somewhere in between until he finds that zone, his zen area, where uh, <laughs> you know whatever is going to work for him. He might come up with his own style. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like with you have to work around mm-hmm. the personnel you have, and you're given a star in the in the making in D'Angelo Russell. You're given well, Jordan Clarkson, who is a who's probably going to end up being an all star in the next coming years. And so. that's the
1: thing. You say a star in D'Angelo Russell and. Sean, when I heard you going through the question, I'm like, okay, I know the answer I'm going with. And Luke Walton has to figure out, he has to look at D'Angelo Russell, he has to look at Swaggy P, and he has to say, who's more important to my team? Tough decision. The re- Wait, the reason why I say that is because of the drama that went around this team, and then kind of went away because of Kobe's last game, and everyone got just kind of sucked in with the great night that that truly was. That's The the drama that we saw at the end of the season for the Lakers, it hasn't gone away completely, and it won't go away. I think Luke Walton, one of his first moves has to be, okay, Russell is the guy I'm keeping. How do I get Swaggy P the fuck out of town?
2: Yeah, I I think that's a quick decision there, sets the tone for how he's going to run this franchise Mm -hmm. going forward. And if he doesn't address it right off the bat, I'm honestly going to be disappointed in him.
0: Yeah, and obviously he doesn't. He won't have you know personnel influence, but like he won't have the actual final say or be making those no, moves. but I feel but like he, he, he will can have go influence. Yeah. He
1: can go to the Bus family. He can go to Mitch Kupchak and say, "Hey, this guy's a problem. We got to get him out of here." Because him and Russell are never going to work together because of what happened,
0: and I think also it, it kind of creates a divide too because people will side with Nick and people yeah, will side he's with DeAngelo. He's the vet
1: so. in the locker room, and Kobe's not there to say, "Dude, shut the fuck up."
0: But also, I mean, maybe Kobe' his lasting oppression will just make that kind of stuff ease away because if we I didn't don't really. Think ca- so. But we didn't see stuff come up. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe Kobe's influence will help. But I mean, it's I, not like it affected
2: their performance throughout the year.
0: <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> they were shit to begin with. They were shit to end. But with. it was
1: just a bad kind of bookmark to but the whole season. But
2: we did get to watch D'Angelo develop and we saw mm-hmm. those flashes of what he could be. Boy, did we. Yeah. And I think that's really the thing that, you know, Luke Walton obviously got to see and he's encouraged, he's happy about it because he's like, I get to coach this young kid. I get to mold him to be a great player. And you've got other like you said other good young talent, Julius Randle and even Clarkson who has stepped up and probably Clarkson will end up replacing Swaggy P once he moves out of town.
1: No, I agree. I I really think I am really adamant that the Lakers need to get Swaggy P out of town as soon as possible.
0: I think the Lakers are pretty adamant on getting Swaggy P out of time. You mentioned uh, you know, Luke Walton watching uh, D'Angelo Russell play. When they did w- w- upset the Warriors at, at, in the Staples Center, he did put 21 points. He did shoot 42% from three, also uh, 6 for 14 from the field. So he did kind of impress uh, in that game and also against Brooklyn. The, I, think, I think it was the four, four days before he did put up that 39 where he shot 66% from the field and 66% from three. So obviously he does have that scoring touch and obviously I think he can be the main focal part of the Lakers offense now let's go to the draft because they will have a top three pick and let's say they get the number one overall pick I know I'm not trying to feed the conspiracy theory there Rick but they they do have good odds at getting the number one pick let's say they get the number one pick do you go Simmons or Ingram because you know maybe Ingram is the better fit because you know you want the three-point shooting because you know Walton's been around the three point shooting of the Golden State Warriors. Maybe he does want to bring that back in, or does he go Ben Simmons with a natural driver, to, with, you know, with a guy who can pass the ball, who could be a facilitator on offense? Maybe you get D'Angelo Rus- Russell working off the ball. Where would you go if the Lakers did get the number one overall pick? Because Ricky, I know your pick. Ben
1: Simmons. That like, if you get the number one pick, no matter what team it is, you're going to go with Ben Simmons just because of the potential that. He has. I mean, when you get the Garners and the comparisons to LeBron James, and if you think he's going to become that, you go ahead and take him.
2: When your floor is Giannis Antetokounmpo, then I honestly think that it's probably a pretty good pick.
0: Giannis Antetokounmpo?
2: Yeah, sure, that guy. <laughs> the Greek freak.
1: That's the Greek freak. All you had to say, oh Dave. God. But I like
2: to say his name.
0: Because <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe Ben Simmons does fit that DeAndre or no, DeAndre Jordan, the Draymond Green role of where you know he's a power forward who can also pass the ball. I... He's got to be a facilitator. Obviously, a higher level of that is what I'm saying. I, I feel like can't he's, shoot he's, he's
2: more athletic because he's, he's not oh, as like built, built, like yeah. a fucking brick shithouse like DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> he's not a fullback. <laughs> like Draymond Green. I think he definitely has a better handle on the ball. He's quicker. So I see him as that second ball handler with D'Angelo Russell up front, taking some of the pressure off him. And we saw, like you mentioned earlier, some of the highlights of him, you know, nailing down the three ball consistently. Maybe that'll help, you know, expand out that team and make Luke Walton rethink, how am I going to build this team now that I've got this another option up front with the ball?
1: You know, it also wouldn't be a bad thing for the Lakers with Luke. They got the third pick. Because I mean, even if Ingram and Simmons are off the board,
0: okay, sure, let's get a
1: shooter like Murray.
0: Well, you're not going to bring in another shooter because then you got to move Clarkson because Clarkson's you're have Clarkson. now a six man, yeah. which
2: we already kind of projected him out to be a six man. Uh, but maybe you know what he he has potential to be that two guard.
1: Stick. Or are you gonna go with Dave's favorite player uh, Bender?
0: Yeah, I think you. Need, I think you need to go with a bigger guy there because you don't really have a center. You they obviously really have you have you have Gr- Randall but there, the, but you need yeah. a.
1: But the thing with Bender is he's more of a stretch four, and he's yeah he's increased his minutes in Euroleague, but he's not playing too many minutes, so it's a question mark. Dude's still seven one. No, I dude, know. Dude yeah. you yeah. but play center. It's one of those things where it's like our GM's gonna go. Uh eh, question mark because he hasn't played But a is
2: lot there a right minutes. pick? I mean it almost feels like if they got knocked back to that three pick overall, it'd be like last year all over again. It's like yeah. well, what is the right pick for this team right no, now? They, do they need a pick? do they need another guard? What where do they
1: where do they go? All the Lakers need is the top three because obviously if it falls out it becomes a 76er pick. Thank you, Sam Hinky. But all they need is a pick because now that they have Luke Walton at the helm, they don't have the tank commander, so whatever pick they do make They can know that hey, it's going to help Luke Walton fit whatever system he's bringing in to Hollywood.
0: Let's get a final consensus here. Will Luke Walton win an NBA championship in LA?
1: No,
2: I think if he's there for five years, they're going to be in an NBA Finals.
0: Fair enough. I think that's as
2: much as I'm willing to give him because there's too much. There's too much uncertainty
1: right now with the uncertainty. I'm leaning towards the he kind of gets his foot in the door in LA and then makes it big somewhere else kind of mm, thing.
0: What I'm thinking, is, I don't think he's going to leave LA, honestly. I think I think he's going to br- be able to bring some free agent and I think he's going to be able to develop that team. I I'm, hope
1: he brings LA back.
0: I'm thinking that he's going to win a, a champion, an NBA championship in LA, maybe multiple. I just think if he gets a top three pick this year, I think he's going to be able to get a guy that he wants and a guy that he can develop. I think it's going to go beautifully with D'Angelo Russell and maybe possibly Julius Randle, Jordan Carson. I think it's going to fit perfectly with him.
1: And I I just hate seeing the Clippers as the best team in LA. LA is Laker town, baby.
0: You know what LA should do? Just just tossing it
1: out there. Just let CP three play for no. the Lakers? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not
2: even going back on that whole train derailment, whatever. No, no. Thanks, no. David Stern. No. They go out and get like somebody like Whiteside in this off season mm-hmm. to sure up that down low post, that kind of takes care of that draft decision for you if you can go get him. Or
1: do they trade for Boogie?
0: Okay. Well, that's a good that's a good segue. I was just going to say, well, let's talk about a different team in California. But thank you. Maybe they will trade for Boogie because you know the the Kings. Well, I'm, I'm going off the NBC Sports article here. Mm-hmm. The Kings, after years of shutting down Demarcus Cousins trade rumors, will reportedly seriously explore the trade market. What changed for Sacramento GM Vlade Divac? The sense within the organization is that Divac is tempted by the prospect of pairing a center with a personal selected coach, but that he has become increasingly frustrated by his center's ongoing issues, and for the first time, he is willing to test the two the, the Market for the two time All Star. So
1: basically, what that just said to me was, oh, I fired George Carl because I chose Boogie, but oh, wait, nobody wants to come here because they all don't want to work with Boogie and they're fearing that they're going to be the guy that I fire and keep Boogie. So, yeah, let's get rid of this guy.
0: And also, the teammates don't like him. That's, I think that's the yeah, main thing, too. If you're not even likable
2: within your own locker room and you're an All Star, I think that's saying, like, maybe the problem is you.
0: So, does this take down Boogie's trademark value? Because, you know, Vadi Divac is openly coming out and saying he's a oh, locker yeah. room problem. So, I mean. Is that is that the smart move for the Kings to come out and be like, well, this guy's a locker room problem? Are you guys going to trade for
1: him? At this point, you got to get whatever you can for him.
2: But on the flip side, he is that two time All Star. He is the most uh, he's the most complete center in the NBA today. He is an offensive weapon who has distance. He can play in the lane. He can play out of the lane. But here's so, the
1: thing I think about opening a new stadium, new logo, new like you're basically rebranding. Do you want fans to be like, okay, this is where the team's going?
0: But you also want a star that they can look at, and Boogie is that star. But anyways, I mean, is do you think that the Kings will trade DeMarcus Cousins, or do you think this is just a bluff? And if they do trade him, where do you think they will go? Where he will go?
2: I think the line has been crossed at this point. There's no going back to shopping somebody, and then they can't pull a Dwight Harden, or er, Dwight Harden, a Dwight, uh, Howard. Dwight Howard on him, and be like, oh yeah, we're going to the trade you before the trade deadline. And then like two days after, like, well, shit, guess you're going <laughs> to play the rest of the season with us. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think that they understand that you know we made the mistake getting rid of Carl because of you. Uh, it's time for you to go. We'll get back something great in return. And there, you mentioned the risk factor. Like, how much does this hurt his uh, value on the market? Knowing that even when your GM comes out and speaks about that you are not the best locker room presence, I don't think it hurts it that much because teams will take the chance on it because of his talent. Talent overrides like locker room cancer in a lot of these cases in the NBA. Plus, people can go, oh, well, he only did that because he didn't have the full backing of everybody in that locker room. He didn't have the coach on his side. We can make it better for him.
0: Now, I I do look at that, and I say, obviously, I think they might trade him, but really, where will he go? Because, obviously, he does have a huge trade value here, and there's five possible destinations, according to Fox Sports. They say the Los Angeles Lakers, they say the Miami Heat, they say the Boston Celtics, they say the Houston Rockets, and they they say the Chicago Bulls. I look at all four, I look at four of those five teams and I say you don't have enough to get boogie boogie because if I look at Dan Feldman of NBC Sports he says he, they doubt tra- Sacramento will trade him because he's 25 on a reasonable contract and they won't have a big enough haul to get him because I look at Boston as the only viable option there because they have the Nets trade trade picks that are they have enough the Nets draft picks that are so valuable that are still going to be valuable because the Nets don't have the ability to grow there I look at basically every other thing is the Lakers have to give up D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle, both guys who we talked about who are basically a key component to the Lakers. And, you know, if Luke Walton still wants to be able to build uh, his locker room up, you're not going to bring a guy who is known as a cancer into Marcus Cousins. Then you look at the Bulls. But the thing I want to
1: throw in, I'm going to cut you off with, because the Bulls, I don't want them coming here. With the Lakers that I was thinking of, maybe. And the only reason why I would think maybe for the Lakers is where did Luke Walton just come from?
2: Golden State. Golden State.
1: Who did Steve Kerr have to deal with that some people call a dirty players? Some people say that, oh, well, his personality is something that you don't want to work with, but Steve Kerr can work with it. Maybe Luke Walton, and I'm not saying he is, I'm not saying that Cousins is gonna go to the LA. I'm just bring up this point. Maybe Luke Walton can be like, hey, I saw Kerr work with Draymond Green. I worked with Draymond Green. I can work with Boogie. That's the only way he goes to
0: LA. But there's never been things of coming out of Draymond Green being hated in his locker room. I mean, DeMarcus Cousin isn't liked in his own locker room. He might be a problem to deal with, but he has never been a actual true problem. I mean, maybe he's got a a dynamic personality that's hard to wrangle in sometimes, but he's never been a true problem and he seems well liked. And that that right there,
1: I mean, not the hating in the locker room, but when you say personality to wrangle in, that is what I think about with Draymond Green, and I, Steve I, Kerr's been able to wrangle it in and make it work for the Warriors. That, I'm just saying that's the only way he goes to L.A. is if Walton feels like I can work with him. But
0: what I'm saying is I don't think Boogie is a personality you can wrangle in. Yeah, I think Boogie I think is problem, his own person.
1: The, the problem really
2: is that Draymond Green is one of those guys who you'd love to have on your team, but you hate when he's not because he's so dirty and like the, the moves he makes on the floor. The problem with Boogie is the fact that he's just immature. Like, mm-hmm. he, he flares out immaturity. He led the league in like, flagrant fouls multiple years. He just—he's not the right mental mindset to be a professional basketball player. He can't keep himself in check right now. So you need a head coach who can bring that in. And I don't know if, you know, Luke Walton would be the right guy.
1: What about I'm not Brad sure. Stevens? Could he work with him? That's what it, I was going to bring up. I,
2: I think the whole reason the Lakers thing is even a topic is because of, you know, the initial trade uh, rumors last NBA draft— it was, oh, we'll give you our pick without even like attaching D'Angelo Russell's name was first proposed. And that was, okay, well, that's a maybe. And then it came, okay, it's D'Angelo Russell. We still may do this. And then that didn't happen. And now we've seen what D'Angelo Russell can do. So I think it's really, I feel like that's just a lingering thing. It's not actually a possibility. And I don't think that's the way Luke Walton would go with this because of those mm-hmm. maturity concerns with Boogie.
0: I agree. I think I think I look at Los Angeles, and usually you do want a star being held, and he will be a star, and he would be seen as a, a star here. But you're giving up your future there. I mean, you're you're giving up a guy, who, D'Angelo Russell, who I think I don't even think he's 20 yet, and you're giving up J- Julius Randle, who I think is around 20, 21, and you're you're getting a 25 year old player. I mean, you're giving up two guys who can potentially be stars for a guy who is currently a star. But I mean, you're basically giving up your future there. And I, I look at Boston mainly for the real reason because they have the Nets pick and they have Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens seen as a guy who can work with young talent, and maybe, you know, because he'd really get, I mean, Boogie, we didn't really hear anything with so stuff with J- Coach Cal Perry. Maybe Brad Stevens, is you know, maybe Brad Stevens with this college experience can work that back into Cousins. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I just, I, I think that Boston is the best fit just because they can obtain him. because they got the all, best package. You're right. But here's, but the f- all these other teams don't have the package. I mean, maybe, I don't think Hassan has got to sign just to go to the Kings. He wants money. I don't think he's just going to go to the Kings. He also probably wants to, at least uh, some. Fighting chance to go somewhere, and you're not going to get that with the Kings.
1: But here's the thing with Boston, and it was like it's a glaring hole that was exploited by the Atlanta Hawks in their last playoff series. If you look at that last game with a microscope, the Hawks, what they did was they said, okay, we're going to pack the paint and we're going to make sure you can beat us with perimeter shooting. Well, we all know the Celtics couldn't do that. If you go ahead and trade your draft picks and players, For Boogie, you're not fixing that problem. With Boston, I think it's going to be a weight of do we need Boogie or do we go out and use our draft picks to fucking get shooting? Because the one thing that a lot of sports uh, experts are talking about is they're comparing them to the Hornets, where the Hornets from last year to this year Went out, got shooting. Yeah, they did. Now the Hornets are in a game seven so, so maybe against
2: the Heat. Boston needs to target like a Jamal Murray or a Wooden
1: Award winner. Both. Uh, get Buddy both. Healed, Get both of them. You can't get both of them, you jackass. You can. Just load up on shooting at this point. If you're how, are you gonna get, how are you going to get both of them, Ricky? They got a plethora of picks. They a plethora. They
2: could, they could trade up two of those, <laughs> the, 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 the second pick and their later
0: pick, to move up to get Buddy healing. They're not getting both of them, Ricky. No, All I right. know they're
1: not, but I'm just saying they could use <laughs> shooting more than Boogie. To me, there's three teams and we mentioned them all, that have a viable shot at Boogie. The Lakers, and that's if Luke Walton wants them. The Celtics, but I think they'll choose to get more shooting rather than adding a big like Boogie or the Miami Heat because the big thing with the Heat is is Whiteside going to come back and can they be like, well, fine. Playoff let's experience do is pretty
0: sweet. Let's I'll be do honest. a
1: sign-and-trade plus with Boogie. I know the immaturity is there but you have kind of Bosch and D-Wade to kind of be the mentors to him. Hey, Spolster's no sp- pushover, yeah. and Pat Riley is there.
2: I, I give Spolster the credit there. Um, my question is, Whiteside now having that playoff experience under his belt, does he want to go play for a loser? Yeah, I mean, true. It's his choice to pick where he plays. You don't get that too often in the NBA. So I think it's, I, I don't think that he would want to, uh, he would accept that.
0: I don't, Also, one I don't think thing to happen. throw in
1: there is, would the Heat want to part ways with Justice Winslow? Because he'd probably no. have to be in the deal for Boogie.
0: I think the Heat is a complete stretch. I think the Celtics are the only viable option. I think even the Lakers is a stretch because you're not going to give up D'Angelo Russell. You're not going to give up on this kid too early. Well, he's going going about to the, the Bulls. two other trash teams. He's going to the Bulls, yeah. is that it? He's, he's going the, to no, t- he's, Chicago he's Bulls. He's literally going to the Celtics or some other completely left field team because I don't see any of those teams that were listed as viable options here.
1: I told you guys before we hit the record button, the fantasy bowl fan in me, do I want Boogie? No, but if we did, the only thing I would give up for him is first off, here would be the stipulations, and here's what I say. Fantasy, I'm not saying this is really going to... Not even 2K Ricky, this is just me as a fan not wanting to destroy my team. Mm -hmm. We would have to keep this year's first-round pick, so right away you're going to say it's not really happening, but I told you this is a fantasy world. We'd have to keep that pick and draft a point guard. I'm taking Tyler Eulis. Whichever one you think you like better, fucking put his name in right there. We had to keep that point guard and then just package a deal with Derrick Rose. And it's basically a Rose package for Boogie. Because the one thing the Kings are going to need is a point guard because Rondo ain't coming back.
0: Yeah, they're going to need a lot. And I, I don't think that's going to get get their deal. I think you're going to need add, add more. Maybe you add a, a that, Dougie, but I, I don't do think... The,
1: do the Bulls trade Jimmy? We talked about it a few weeks ago. Do they trade Jimmy no. and bring in Boogie? No, that, that's the wrong
0: move to make. That's the yeah, I, I agree. That's a wrong move to make. You're not going to bring. You're not going to switch that to where Jimmy. You know, he's he doesn't get along with a coach, but Demarcus has never gotten along with a coach. I mean, I, I don't see that's gonna that's gonna work well, out too. I just I don't see that happening. in the
1: Fox Sports article. The one that they map out is we had, we'd have to give away Taj, Mike Dunleavy, then either Dougie or Snell along with a platter of first round picks if which I'm is the, just
0: ridiculous and it's stu- it's it's stupid because you know it, I can see if it just t- because
1: we're losing paw and noah
0: I, I just I think it's I think it's an idiotic thing. I think I think the Celtics are the only only team that can get them. And obviously, Ainge wants a superstar. Maybe he goes in a different way, and maybe he gets Durant. But I I don't think that Boogie is going to be traded to a d- team that's not the Boston Celtics.
1: Can I throw out one that's not on any of these articles? Mm-hmm. If Horford leaves Atlanta, do they become a team that people start throwing out for the Boogie sweepstakes?
0: They don't have a package for him. That's the thing. I don't I don't see a package that they can get get for him because the Hawks don't unless have a, teams a, are willing a, to mortgage their future. And I'm
2: talking pits. next year's first round. And the year after that first round,
0: and a year after that, I think you're going to need a lot of a lot of picks for, I mean, for Boogie there. I mean, you might need to pull a, a Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, here and that's give what him, I'm The boat bo- because this is this is a two-time All Star. This is a guy who hasn't even hit his prime. I say yet.
2: he's he's pre prime and he's already a two-time All Star. Already the best center in the league. Already one of the top offensive weapons in the league. I, there's there's so much hype and it's like how are you, there's no fair trade for that.
0: Unfortunately. I don't, I don't see it happening because of his personality issues, and because I don't see a package that is going to be able to be put together for him to be moved. I, I think. So that, I mean,
2: he just stays there, and like this is a shit team with a or shit.
0: He's got two years. T- two more years on his contract. Or do the That's Kings
1: it. just say, you know what? We're obviously the losers in this situation. But we got to get They're rid gonna of them. They're going to take him. a lesser deal. We we got to get rid of them because coaches don't want to come in to coach this.
0: Maybe and maybe Danny Ainge will look like a genius when he trades like one pick and mm-hmm. one pick and maybe some some other uh, and assets the on there. Keeps the third yeah. overall
1: pick to where he can take Jamal Murray.
0: I think so. I think I think I think that it's either going to be a less trade or it's not going to happen at all. Yeah, I, and I think it's going to be the Celtics. Kings are going to take a hurt to get
2: rid of him, but you know what? They'll be better going forward. Go fresh. Build up the organization around guys who actually work, who want to be there, who want to work with each other. Like, you just got to take the step.
0: Anyways, that's going to wrap it up for this week's Fast Break Podcast. We covered Luke Walton. We covered the Golden State Warriors possibly getting upset if Steph Curry is not fully healthy, and we covered DeMarcus Cousins. We will get back to you next week with whatever is going to come up. Maybe the the Hornets will pull off the upset and make us look like losers and make our heat topic irrelevant. But anyways, it's going to wrap up this week's podcast. I'm Sean Anderson for Dave Oster and Ricky Woodmer You can check out our Patreon page uh, down below in the description you can also check out our Twitter at Most Valuable Pod you can check out me on Twitter at Schwarbo you can check out Ricky on Twitter at Ricky Widmer you can follow Dave on Twitter at Dave underscore don't underscore tweet you can also find us on Snapchat at Most Valuable Pod and also if you're listening on SoundCloud thank you so much you can like this hit that little red heart button or repost this to all your friends we would love the support and if you're listening to this on YouTube you can like this video subscribe to our channel and share this out to all your friends because we love the support like I just said anyway That's going to wrap up this episode of the Fast Break. We will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.